Today's about shooting, and we're not going to dive into the specifics and techniques. That's really for a visual representation. I can't talk you through a podcast very well on how to shoot specifically and techniques, but I'm going to talk to you about what shooting looks like on a team, how many times you can train, what shooting looks like during the course, how many times you can train, different schools that you can go to early on and that are included of training and shooting, and how it looks in a deployment as well. All right, first thing that you need to know about shooting in regards to becoming a Green Beret or even a SEAL for that matter uh, is that you don't have to be an expert marksman before you join the military. I know Green Berets and SEALs that joined the military and had never shot a weapon in their life. The first time they shot weapons was in basic training. I wouldn't say that it's common, but I know plenty of guys that this this has been like a thing for. Not everybody is born in Texas and grew up hunting or went to a police academy and shot a lot of pistols or was into guns and shot on their own. It's just the reality that different parts of our country are, are just different and the cultures are different. For example, my roommate, who was a stud Green Beret, who was a monster all through the Q course, uh, I worked with him, and he was an Echo as well. When we graduated, we decided to move in together in Destin, and he had never shot a weapon before in his life. And to be honest with you, he struggled early on because he wasn't as familiar with weapons as everyone else, but it wasn't a huge deal. He got the training that he needed. So right off the bat, expectation, I just want to let everybody know that if you've never shot a weapon before and you want to go be a Ranger or a SEAL or a Green Beret or do something in direct action, that's fine. They're going to teach you how to do it there. It's going to be an uphill battle. You're going to have to work a little bit harder than probably I did because it was sort of natural to me because I had done it before, but it can be done and a lot of people do it. Now, actually, this is sort of playing into your favor because basic training was just extended. Everybody knows that basic training now is quite a bit longer than it was before for when, like, when I went through. But there's some good things that came out of that, and one of them is more weapons training. You get to shoot rifles longer. You get to qualify on the machine guns. You get to qualify on all the machine guns. Whereas opposed to when I went through, we didn't really touch the machine guns. They filtered us through like cattle to shoot a 50 cal that was mounted. Um, but there was no training. There was no buildup. There was no like diving into what it looks like, how to work it, how to clean it, how to repair it, how to do a functions check. There was none of that. So it was, it was really sloppy, and now in basic training, there's a dedicated portion a few weeks longer that is specifically for weapons. That's a huge bonus for Green Beret candidates and infantrymen. Now, I'll say that after you go through basic training, you're not shooting again for a while. We did a little bit of shooting, literally one day of shooting during the SUT phase of the Q course, but in general, they punt 90% of the actual shooting and live fire drills to, to be on your team. And that's where you're going to learn the most of it. So after basic training, you don't shoot again until you're basically on your team. Now, shooting on your team can be so much fun. It's not even fair because the rest of the army doesn't have the exact situation where we do with the uh, overall ability to go into the ranges and not have to deal with a lot of the red tape that the military has. So when you get on your team, let me just uh, explain to you how it looked for me. When I showed up to my team, we were deploying to Afghanistan, but we they built a, a shooter's course for us. It was essentially, a, it was a Cephalic, but it was different. And Cephalic is a, a term used in special forces for the Special Forces Assault and Urban Combat School. And what that school basically is, it's a company level school um, that prepares you for direct action in Afghanistan. And, it, you know, they typically do it every now and then. It's, it's a sergeant major thing. So, if your sergeant major wants to do it and make it required, then he will. If he doesn't and it's not, then you don't do it. 
Um, so it just depends on what group you're at and your specific sergeant major if he wants to put on a shooting school for the entire company. It's typically a company ran into, it's a typically a company ran event. Now, what what's going to be the most awesome part of shooting on a team is that you guys can conduct your own ranges. Now, it's going to change depending on which group you're at. I was at 7th group. We were you know, obviously, Seventh Group is a compound away. We don't have any army bases anywhere near us, and we fall technically under the Air Force. So it was a little cumbersome to be able to go out and shoot our weapons because it was technically an Air Force range because there's no army base. So we had to play by the Air Force rules, uh, and we were constantly messing that up because we don't like to play by rules. So it was interesting. We had a lot of open areas to shoot and, and great facilities, but we had sort of had to jump through a lot of hoops. And my my assumption is it's going to be like that anywhere you go. Um, but just understand that you guys can basically make your ranges whenever you want. If you want to go to the range every Tuesday and shoot, well, you can do that. If your team wants to go once a month for three days in a row, then you can do that too. If you want to wait and like every six weeks, do two straight weeks of nothing but shooting, then that's perfect. So it really just depends on your team. But you have the ability to go to flat ranges and do all of your workups. You have your 18 Bravos basically walk you through a POI step-by-step step with, with – uh, evaluations and critiques and making it harder and harder and starting off very simplistic. And then you also have shoot houses where you can go live, where you can do dummy rounds or paint rounds or sims. And all that's basically planned by you. And it's planned by the team sergeants, planned by some of the senior guys on the team that have been around. And you guys do exactly what you want to do. The freedom to do what you want to do is incredible on a Green Beret team. And being able to shoot weapons and go to shoot houses and do things like that is exactly the same. Now, the interesting part on your deployments, you actually have a massive opportunity to go shooting. You're going to shoot a lot, target practicing, going through drills, transitions. You know, basically, if you're in Afghanistan, all the rules of being on a military range are sort of out the window, and you guys make your own rules. Um, you know, what you don't know now is that when you become a Green Beret or you're in the military and you want to go shoot a range. There's a lot of rules that come with it. You've got to have so many people there. You got to do this and this and this. And then there's like a range personnel that's in charge of the range. You got to fight with him. He's usually some crusty retired Green Beret and you have to deal with it. But if you're deployed, I mean, it's the Wild West. You guys get out whatever you want. You get out RPGs, you know, cocktails. You can do IEDs. You can throw frags. You can throw grenades. You can practice whatever you want to do. Any mock-up drills that you want without telling anyone. It's just the team. So that's where you get most of your training is actually while you're on the deployment is because you have a safe ground and an area that's already secured to just go after it. And everyone there around you is basically supporting your role in that country. So whatever you need, they kind of make it happen. And that's actually where you get the strongest uh, at your shooting and your transitions and all of your drills that you're going to be doing. Now, you still will shoot on, on a different, like a JSET deployment where you're just doing a combined exercise training with another partner force in a different country, but not, as, not nearly to the extremes as you would in a combat situation in Afghanistan because the freedom of movement there is there and there's not another country that's dictating what you do. So if you, for example, Central and South America were popular hotspots for, for, for seventh group guys to go to. Uh, if we made it down to Central and South America, we would take a ton of ammo, we'd buy a bunch down there, we'd train with the partner forces, but all of the training that we would be doing and conducting with them, we would provide all the ammunition for it, and we'd be able to do what we wanted to on the back end of that. So lots and lots and lots of opportunities to grow as a shooter. So with all that, I just wanted to sort of give you guys 
a, a real look at how shooting evolves on a team. Uh, not necessarily give you an instruction based on how to shoot, but really just expectations of how much you shoot during the Q course, which is almost none, how much you shoot on a team, which could be a lot depending on your team, uh, how much you'll shoot on a deployment, which will be a lot because there's no rules. Uh, and then if you go on a jo- joint combined exercise training, expect there will be some shooting, but not as much. Um, and, and then that's exactly how it's going to be. Also, it'll matter if you're a direct action team, those guys are going to shoot more because your secondary mission set is to be direct action focused. For example, we didn't go to the range on my team as much as the direct action team in our company did because our specialty was water infiltration. So when we weren't preparing for deployment, we would be preparing our boats and making sure that those were lethal and tactical and going through and training on those and practicing on those. Whereas the direct action team, which is just one of six teams in the company, whereas that team would be specifically honing in their direct action skills at that time.